We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Former President Donald Trump arrives in New York for his arraignment. He wants Trump to be a convicted felon. Trump needs to win all 34 to win. House Republicans pass energy legislation now headed for the U.S. Senate. Biden gave a gift to Putin. So right when he comes in, again, he kills American energy. Twitter CEO Elon Musk removes verification from the New York Times. The one that seems to have come off first is from the New York Times after they they said that they won't pay. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, April 4th. I'm Mike Scott. On Monday, former President Donald Trump traveled to New York ahead of his arraignment regarding charges all tied to the alleged Stormy Daniels hush money payment. Former President Donald Trump arriving in New York to face criminal charges after a Manhattan grand jury indicted him in relation to the alleged $130,000 in hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels shortly before the 2016 election. Trump's former lawyer and fixer Michael Cohen pled guilty and served prison time in part due to his admission he arranged those payments. Trump's arraignment is set for Tuesday at New York State Supreme Court where he'll be facing about two dozen criminal counts including felonies according to sources familiar with the matter. Meanwhile, Trump has consistently denied any wrongdoing and accused the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg of perpetuating a political witch hunt aimed at damaging his 2024 bid for the White House. Andy McCarthy, a longtime federal prosecutor in Manhattan, a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and a National Review contributing editor, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that many Americans are unhappy with what they see as the politicization of our justice system. Yeah, this is this is why people are so upset, Joe. You know, we had a conference at um, National Review last week, and I ended up uh, closing it by having a half hour sit down in front of the audience with uh, former Attorney General Barr, who was just, you know, he's a fabulous guy. Um, but one of the things he laments is like, how do you get out of this cycle of two tiers of justice, where you know the Justice Department is enmeshed in politics, no matter who is in charge of it. And obviously people on the right look at the way that progressives weaponize the justice system and they say, we can't have unilateral disarmament. You know, if uh, when we get in charge, then we have to give these guys a taste of their own medicine. Otherwise, they'll keep doing this. And, you know, there's a lot to that argument in terms of its emotional appeal. But the problem is, if you go down that route, um, then we never have a, a, a fair justice system again, and then we don't have the rule of law anymore, and we can't have a flourishing society anymore. However, McCarthy suggests that the only way to fight back against what he believes is the weaponization of our judicial system is to vote out these activist state prosecutors. 
it's very hard to figure out how to get out of this mess of politicizing the justice system. But it is a mess, and, we, and it is politicized. I'd say the best way to get out of the mess is to kick out of office the people who engage in this kind of abuse. Yeah, but, amen. Um, amen. You know, look, Alvin Bragg is an elected prosecutor. Uh, please, I mean, you know, he please. he didn't he didn't like spontaneously materialize in in uh, in Morgenthau's office. You know, people elected him there. Yeah. And we're seeing that across the country, right? A lot of these progressive prosecutors are being elected. McCarthy explains what he believes should happen next should Donald Trump's case go to trial. It's Uh. a flimsy uh, case, but what he's figuring is he gets to trial. I don't think this case is going to get to trial, by the way. I think it'll be thrown out before trial if if the process is fair. But let's say he gets to trial. What happens is you'll have some jurors who will want to follow the law, and they'll say, there should be an acquittal here. And you might have other jurors who say, I don't like Trump, and I especially don't like hush money paid to porn stars. And this seems loathsome to me, and I want to convict them of something. And the judge will tell them if they act like they're hung, you know, look, uh, if you people don't decide this case, then we're just going to have to try it all over again and get 12 more people, and they'll have to decide. So the judge lays it on thick to, to the jury in these situations, saying, you know, look, do what you can to resolve this. And what frequently happens is the jury will go back and horse trade. They'll negotiate. And maybe you think, I'm holding out for acquittal because I don't think there's a case here. But how about this? I'll agree to convict on one count so that we can get this stupid thing over with. But I think I will have sent a strong message that this was a terrible case by acquitting on 33 counts. That may be a rational thing for a juror to think. But from Bragg's perspective, he only needs one count. That's right. You know, he wants Trump to be a convicted felon. Yeah. Trump needs to win all 34 to win. The former president is facing more than 30 counts of allegedly falsifying business records, including at least one felony charge. The specifics of the indictment, which remains under seal, will be disclosed at the arraignment. With no peace in sight... NATO countries are now eyeing more help for Ukraine. Correspondent Charles de Ledesma has the latest from the war front. Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Ukraine's Western allies have sent the country around $70 billion in military aid. But now, with no peace negotiations on the horizon, the alliance is gearing up to send more, Stoltenberg adds. We cannot allow Russia to continue to chip away at European security. He added that there were no signs that Russian President Vladimir Putin is preparing for peace. NATO foreign ministers meeting in Brussels on Tuesday are to discuss how to step up support for Ukraine, including by continuing to strengthen armed forces. Stoltenberg said our support is for the long haul. I'm Charles Diladesma. House Republicans passed a bill to encourage American energy independence called the Lower Energy Cost Act. However, Democrats on Capitol Hill are in opposition, saying that it would undo a lot of the work on what they call climate change priorities. According to Republican lawmakers, the U.S. has been too reliant on foreign energy production, so this bill seeks to address that by increasing domestic production of oil, natural gas, and coal. It would also loosen permitting restrictions for pipelines and refineries, bump up production of minerals like nickel, cobalt, and lithium, 
all of which help make computers, cell phones, and batteries. Republican Congressman Steve Scalise of Louisiana joined the Salem Radio Network and says that, in his opinion, the White House has killed American energy independence. President Biden declared war on American energy. I mean, you saw exactly. it. You know, killed the Keystone Pipeline, directed all of his agencies from Department of Interior, Department of Energy, said, go after drilling, stop issuing permits, stop issuing lease sales, don't allow them to build pipelines to move energy from Pennsylvania to New York or yeah. to New England uh, state. Uh, you know, and it's not like you're not going to need this stuff. Scalise explains that America's reliance on foreign countries for energy is enriching dictators like Russia's Vladimir Putin. All, we, all we've been doing is bringing in more oil and natural gas from foreign countries. So for all these people that say, oh, we're going to save the planet by killing American energy, all you're doing is making our country dependent on countries like Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Venezuela. Go look at the carbon footprint of those countries. Nobody does it cleaner than America. So what the Lower Energy Cost Act says is let's inject common sense back in our energy policy and make our own energy here in America. We'll create good jobs, we'll lower costs for families, most importantly, uh, and then we'll also be able to help our friends around the world so we don't need these dictators who are producing energy and making billions of dollars off of it. The Louisiana congressman says that the Biden administration is hurting the U.S. by stifling energy production at home while begging for energy from countries like Saudi Arabia. Don't forget, Biden gave a gift to Putin. So right when he comes in, again, he kills American energy. So he wasn't against all energy, just in America. So he kills Keystone Pipeline, but he greenlights Putin's pipeline, Nord Stream 2, from Russia to Germany. Then he starts making it harder to get permits and leases here in America. But then he asked Putin to produce more oil. And then he begged, he went to flew, flew Air Force One to Saudi Arabia to beg them to produce more uh, oil. And so uh, Putin, prior to the Ukraine war, before the buildup, Putin was making $700 million a day selling his oil to America and wow, Europe. That's wow. how lucrative this is for countries like Russia. This is nuts. It's insanity. Scalise explains what his bill will do. It allows us to streamline permitting so we can produce energy in America. You shouldn't have to go through five different agencies who are all trying to shut you down. Follow the rules, and if you're playing by the rules, you should be able to go and get your permit just like anybody else can. And so that's one of the things it does. It allows us to build more infrastructure, not just energy infrastructure, but especially when you think about pipelines. You know, one governor can block a pipeline to all of the New England states. That doesn't make any sense. It's jacking up the cost of energy. So let's allow ourselves, again, if you're playing by all the rules, you can go and build in infrastructure to move energy around America and pipelines, which is the safest way to do it. Look, they just had another rail car accident last week that was transporting ethanol by rail. It's a whole lot safer if you're putting it in pipelines, let alone tankers from foreign countries that come in. Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer of New York called the legislation dead on arrival in the Senate. That may be challenged. The president has threatened a veto as well, saying it would undo what he called landmark climate legislation that was passed by the Senate last year. Meantime, Republicans say this legislation will help lower costs for every family. Floridians will be able to carry concealed weapons without a permit. Daybreak Insider's John Scott has more on this story. 
The bill was signed by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. He signed the bill during a private ceremony after the legislature passed it last Thursday. It will allow anyone who can legally own a gun in Florida to carry one without a permit. It means training and a background check will not be needed for people to carry concealed guns in public. That state has nearly 3 million permit holders. John Scott reporting. On Monday, investigators into the Nashville shooting released preliminary evidence that seems to point to the transgender mass shooter, Audrey Hale, plotting the attack for months. The city of Nashville has released new information about the Covenant school shooting. Investigators have found that the shooter, Audrey Hale, acted alone in writings found in her vehicle and later at her home. She documented her planning of this massacre over a period of months. Those documents are under review by Metro Nashville Police and the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit in Quantico, Virginia. Officials say they still do not have a definite motive for the shooting, but do say that Hale studied the actions of other mass murderers. The next significant development will be when police in Nashville release the contents of the Hale Manifesto. Six were killed, including three children. Elon Musk, the CEO of Twitter, announcing the New York Times lost its verified check in an effort to crack down on users avoiding payments for Twitter Blue. The turmoil at Twitter continues. Taking a look here, we see Elon Musk following through with his platform's promise to start removing blue ticks from non-paying accounts. But the rollout, or is it a rollback, has been controversial. Musk set a deadline of April 1st for verified users to apply and keep their status. Those who refuse to pay the $8 per month subscription fee for individuals or $1,000 per month for organizations would begin to lose both their blue checkmark and verified status. Dan Howley, Yahoo Finance's tech correspondent, explains what verification is all about. We're seeing now some movement as far as those blue check marks go, the verification check marks that Twitter is traditionally used to uh, provide individuals such as journalists, celebrities, uh, government officials, a verification that they are who they say they are. We're starting to see some movement as to those finally coming down. Elon Musk had said that in order for people to have those on Twitter, they would have to pay uh, the fee. I believe it's uh, $7 a month to be able to have that. uh, Sorry, $8 a month. Uh, And so they're going to have to sign up for Twitter Blue to get that verification badge, and eventually everyone's will start falling off. Howley goes on to explain that there are many organizations and celebrities who have announced that they were not paying for Twitter verification. The only problem is the one that seems to have come off first is from the New York Times after they said that they won't pay the $1,000 institutional fee for a gold check mark, basically, if you're a large organization, you would have a gold check mark if you're an individual blue. And then if you were a government organization, you would have gray. New York Times, a number of other organizations said that they wouldn't be paying for it, as well as individuals like LeBron James. But uh, apparently, Elon Musk not happy with the New York Times. And so he took it away immediately uh, and then had some uh, comments about it as to their coverage um, and uh, their ability to, I guess, run a journalistic organization. Howley says that while this may be Twitter's way to diversify revenue streams among users, he's not sure if the tactic will be able to replace 
advertiser dollars. Uh, this is part of their effort to draw revenue from places that aren't just advertising. We've talked about in the past how advertisers have pulled away. Uh, Twitter's having a problem getting them back. The advertising industry in general wasn't doing very well. Uh, we'll find out in the coming quarter if it's starting to rebound or not. But, you know, this is something that, uh, look, if they're going to try to raise money, I, I don't know how $1,000 here and there from some organizations, 8 bucks here and there from some users is going to really supplant the enormous tens of millions of dollars they were drawing as far as advertising revenue. Other news publications such as the Associated Press and Washington Post still retain their verified status. McDonald's has temporarily closed their U.S. headquarters in Chicago ahead of layoff notifications. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more on the shockwaves hitting the fast food giant. McDonald's has closed its U.S. offices through Wednesday and told corporate staff to work remotely as it prepares to announce a round of layoffs. In a memo to workers posted on the website TheLayoff.com, the Chicago-based burger giant said it wanted to ensure the comfort and confidentiality of their staff during the notification period. The company said the layoffs are intended to make McDonald's faster and more efficient. McDonald's has more than 150,000 employees in corporate roles and in company-owned restaurants, and about 70% of those employees are based outside of the United States. I'm Lisa Dwyer. The Country Music Association has announced the three inductees for this year's Country Music Hall of Fame. Our Daybreak Insider Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaroleta takes a look at this year's inductees. Just another love. Tanya Tucker says when she walks into the Hall of Fame, all her fans will be with her. Tucker will be inducted in the Veterans Era Artist category. Patty Loveless says she feels incredibly privileged to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Loveless will go in as a modern era artist. Song, song of the South. Bob McDill will be inducted in the songwriter category. He wrote Song of the South for Alabama, Good Old Boys Like Me for Don Williams, and Alan Jackson's Gone Country. The Hall of Fame inductions will be in Nashville in the fall. I'm Archie Zaroleta. And finally... The Artemis II crew represents thousands of people working tirelessly to bring us to the stars. This is their crew. This is our crew. This is humanity's crew. Monday saw NASA unveil the first crew of astronauts that will travel to the moon since 1972. Reed Wiseman, Victor Glover... Christina Koch of NASA will travel together with Jeremy Hansen of the Canadian Space Agency on a trip around the moon, potentially reaching the farthest point any human has flown into space. According to NASA, the mission will last about 10 days. However, the crew will not land on the moon, but follow a course that will allow the craft to fly around the moon before it heads back to Earth. The crew will travel more than 6,000 miles beyond the far side of the moon. This will mark the farthest any human has traveled in space. Specialist Christina Koch believes that when it comes to record setting, it's about making a way for those who come after. You know, the thing about records is that it's not about any one individual's 
success or contribution even. It's about the fact that it marks a milestone, a state of the art of where we're at and where we're choosing to go. I always say my biggest hope for any record is that it's broken as soon as possible because that means we're continuing to push the boundaries, we're continuing to go as a team. And I look forward to the day that we continue to break boundaries even at the moon. And that's what we see our role as. We're enabling those next missions, and that's what's going through my mind at this time. Specialist Jeremy Hansen is thankful for NASA reaching out to Canada. The biggest thing that resonates with me is, you know, carrying this message of hope and inspiration to the world. I think, you know, it's it's a real tribute to American leadership that because American, uh, the United States did not need Canada to go back to the moon. They decided to intentionally invite an international partnership to go back to the moon, and they've lifted Canadians up, and they've challenged Canadians. Canadians are rising to that challenge. I love it. I think that is an important example for the globe today. We need global solutions, and we need people working together, and I'm glad we're going to be waving that flag. The Artemis II astronauts were selected out of NASA's core of 41 active astronauts. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. 